0: Sharp, extra fine point sharpies are vicious.
1: That's why we don't stab ourselves with them, Doc. They draw blood. Apparently it's a vicious, like you said. All right, (laughs) so we're not here to talk about Doc's um, interesting personal habits of stabbing herself because it's not that kind of show. People get your mind out of the gutter. But uh, hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans, it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the Sky is the Limit, and Space is the Place. So without further ado, we have two uh, two interesting people to talk to you today. One of them you might recognize from episode 27, I think. It was a while ago. If you don't remember him, you should listen to that one next. Um, but so can you introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers, Matthew Goodwin, please?
2: Absolutely. I am Matthew A. Goodwin. I am an independent science fiction author who has written, at this point, five out of a slated seven-book science fiction uh, cyberpunk series called A Cyberpunk Saga. And uh, for the purposes of today, I am also the creator and co-founder of Cyberpunk Day, a celebration of all things high-tech, low-life in the arts, which is this coming Sunday, October 10th.
1: Outstanding. And what about you? It's Elias J. Hurst. I hope I didn't. That's right. Too yeah. Tough way. act
3: to follow there with Matt. Yeah, I'm Elias Hearst. I am an independent author um, and a recent discoverer of cyberpunk in that regard. When I published uh, my sci-fi novel Europa in 2019 and learned that it was cyberpunk after the fact. Um, I also was in the neo-cyberpunk anthology and have some works out in kind of horror, as well as humor, um, short stories, and novellas. Awesome.
1: All right, so this is the second part of the introduction, dear listener, where we tell you how we found them. So, Doc, I'm assuming it was in the back of a dark alley, and you were serving bar somewhere, right?
0: Uh, I am normally serving bar, but...
1: We broke her mind.
0: Generally, at least light enough for me to read the label. Oh, but Matt actually reached out to us and then he hijacked his friend to come on today. That's a good
1: way to do it. And hopefully by next time, I'll just
2: keep bringing more and more friends. We'll just keep multiplying.
1: You know,
0: I'm okay with that. Is this what happens
1: when you give uh, um, cyberpunk authors like liquor after dark? They multiply?
2: Absolutely. We're like a sentient AI. I believe
1: it. I can believe it. All right. All right, Doc. We got we got. Uh, we're mixing up the religion question because if you can't see the bottom of the screen, we're here to talk about Cyberpunk Day, which we'll get to in a minute. As part of that, we've got a slew of religion questions for you, Cyberpunk aficionados.
0: So, we're going to start with the sci-fi ones: Blade Runner, Attila, Battle Angel, or Ready Player One.
2: Uh, I I um I didn't love Ready Player One. And I didn't love Ready Player Two. I just finished reading that not that long ago. I did enjoy Alita more than I think many. I'm maybe not quite at the Alita army level, but I would love to see a sequel. But for me, I mean, forever and always, Blade Runner is the, the movie. Um, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep was the book that got me into cyberpunk, even though I know it's sort of tech noir. Um, <clears throat> uh, it, it was the thing that taught me to love cyberpunk and certainly Blade Runner for me.
0: So, I had somebody recently try and convince me that the Matrix was cyberpunk. They are correct. Okay. Yeah, I'm squarely in that
3: camp too. I, right, so, I, I
0: just looked at them, smiled, and said, I'm not cool enough to know this answer. <laughs> and, and, and for the record,
1: Doctor... That one's ours. The, We're taking it. <laughs> when you look up cyberpunk fantasy or cyberpunk sci-fi, you get the same list. So I just did all cyberpunk today. They're fantasy sci-fi. Whatever. They can't decide <laughs> what category they go in. So I didn't want to commit for them.
0: Mm-hmm. But that is A-okay.
1: Elias, you get to answer the same question.
3: Yeah, Blade Runner as well. Yeah. Um, as Matt mentioned, probably the same reason that it's more tech noir is the same thing I'm into. I love the noir elements. Um, Alita is really cool, too. It took me a while to get into the visual style, or it's just not what I'm normally looking at. But um, I really enjoyed it once I just decided to watch.
0: I can understand that. It's it's based off of an anime, which makes it near and dear to my heart in a way, but I like classic anime. What can I say? Nerd. What? <laughs> whatever I'm if i was look- in my
2: office i have the manga on my shelf of alita too
0: see see, i'm going to get you to do a Sailor moon episode jr God, so. No, it's
1: all.
0: <laughs> so on to the the second set of religion we're going to do elysium total recall or ghost in the shell
2: elias why don't you take this one Oh, man, I didn't want to have to answer first.
0: I mean, I know um, mine, but out of this, these three, hands down, but...
2: Oh, let us
3: know. This...
0: It's not. This show is not about me.
3: All right, but but you're still on the hook. I'm going to go still, with Elysium.
0: Okay. Uh, mine is Ghost in the Shell.
1: Because it's anime.
0: No, because I've watched all <laughs> of the Ghost in the Shells and I really enjoyed them.
1: I don't know. For me, it's Total Recall. I really dig it. Total yeah, Recall. Total
2: Recall is kind of hard to beat. I I mean, I love Ghost in the Shell, obviously, and it certainly influenced some of my work, but I, I kind of love Total Recall. Um, I pretty early in my first book do a little Total Recall Easter egg. It's kind of I mean, we watched it for last year's Cyberpunk Day. We did um, a Total Recall View Party where half of the sort of Cyberpunk Day team watched the 2012 remake and half the original Arnold version. And I was lucky enough to watch the original Arnold version, but it was fun to watch as the other people were reacting to a much worse version that probably cost a huge amount more.
0: I have actually only ever seen the original.
1: I haven't seen the remake, but it's kind of hard to top the, uh, some of the visuals from from the mutations, shall we say, that the ladies partook in.
0: But the, I mean, uh, bulging eyeballs. Amazing the the <laughs> level of costuming work that went into doing that in an era where um, special effects were not quite what they are now.
1: Agreed. So, so you had to actually act. You know, <laughs> I know it's amazing, but
2: the new Total Recall is beautiful. I mean, it looks like what you want a cyberpunk world to look like. So if you maybe watched it like on mute while you were doing something else, maybe that you could enjoy enjoy it. It's just, it's some rough, it's some rough times on the acting front.
1: Yeah. Did Elias ever answer this one or is he dodging? I did. No, I I said Elysium. Okay. I I feel like there's a lot of
3: unrealized potential in it, but the action sequences and Mm -hmm. all the
1: setup for it were pretty amazing. All right. This one's going to be a harder one for you, but. I got
0: really into the, the cyberpunk movies this year.
1: I'm telling you, I was like Google swine. Like I was like psh, typing all of it, all cyberpunk style. So I hit the keys extra hard.
2: Love it. Right. That is how the hackers go.
1: Right. So the fifth element, the Watchmen, I'm speaking specifically of the 20, 2009 movie, or Judge Dredd. We're going to let you go first, Elias.
3: We just had a debate about this in our cyberpunk day discord as to whether fifth element is really cyberpunk or not. And don't you say I kind of
1: lied to me. Would <laughs>
3: never lie. I, I think, or we just know better than Google that, that could be it. <laughs> uh, but regardless of whether it's cyberpunk or not, I choose the fifth element because how can you not?
0: <laughs> See, I <laughs> thought you yeah, were going exactly. to debate whether the watchman was, because it was definitely noir, but I'm not. I was. I so. I was yeah. Prepared. I don't know that I would I necessarily seen that put
2: yeah. Watchmen in that category. I think of the three, Fifth Element is the best movie. But if it, and if it was the new Dread, because you <laughs> said Judge Dread, which means it's the Stallone version. No, no which, this
1: is actually Dread that was on the list. I just was clarifying. I didn't realize ah, were through. Okay, so
2: Judge Dread. It, well, if we're if we're going with the strict answer, Judge Dread is the Sylvester Stallone movie, which is rough times but the new dread was was really great um
1: i I didn't realize there was a new one we will have to we'll have to watch this doc and do a review party
2: oh yeah you know i could think of two people who would definitely join you for that
1: outstanding
0: so that sounds like fun
1: (laughs) i think they just volunteered themselves
0: i i do think they did it sounded very disturbing once again
1: multiplying (laughs) (laughs) all right and so uh now that well doc do you want to weigh in so everyone gets to say
0: um my say always outright no I, I was just surprised that Watchmen was listed on that because i remember seeing it it was a very awkward date movie for a first date too <laughs> um but i was i seemed more like a noir superhero movie than a than a cyberpunk movie to me i think that's
2: an apt assessment
1: so. i can agree with that yeah. i do like the drudge dread universe I've seen the the Stallone one which I didn't think was that bad but I mean Stallone is Stallone he only acts but so far he's like a um, a slightly better acting version of Schwarzenegger but they're both kind of meh. Ooh. I
2: think if you're going to give me um Stallone Cyberpunk and Elias is going to know exactly what I'm about to say oh, but I do and I, I love it. I'm going to take Demolition Man all day and all night. Yes,
0: oh, that bless. definitely is Amazing. a Cyberpunk. You know like even Mr. Rogers.
1: But come on, can someone please tell me what the hell's going on with those three seashells?
2: If they ever answer that, it would be worse. I, I, I forever and always will want to know and hope that I never find out.
1: What there
0: I really no love Questions better left unanswered.
1: What I really loved was his solution to the toilet paper was just to go up to the fine machine and just start like spewing out all the cuss words he knew so he'd get all the tickets to to wipe himself with that was I'm so it.
2: happy. I know we're in good company when you say demolition man and work. We could probably just talk about that for the rest of this podcast, I think yes. Easily.
1: Yes, the, yeah and, and then the the food one can you come on. This is the best burger I've ever had. Do you see any cow around?
2: <laughs> <laughs> and see and I thought you were gonna the go with the being the only restaurant.
1: Oh, that's another one. We've talked about that too. That comes up on the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's bad. So, uh, we got one more for the road on the on the uh cyberpunk religion questions. RoboCop, The Matrix, or Tron?
2: Oh man. Yeah, I go, mean, you, you
1: go first.
2: Yeah, I, I okay. Like I I love Tron, um but for me, the when I saw The Matrix, I mean, I was like the perfect age I think I was like 13 or 14. It was like the the perfect age for that movie. And I was already sort of like a burgeoning cyberpunk fan through, you know, Blade Runner and then uh, through some anime like Akira or whatever. And then Neuromancer. So when I saw the matrix and finally got this like really ultra modern cyberpunk movie, it was dreams come true for me. I mean, the trilogy is maybe not the, the greatest ever, but I think
1: the second one
2: is, is not as bad as people think. The third one, I, I rewatched all of them recently. The third one is, is not great. but um
1: chicks in leather. I'm just going to leave that right there.
2: Just a lot of people in leather in general.
0: So what do you think of the fact that they're going to apparently redo a fourth?
2: Yeah, the trailer just dropped. I'll be interested to see how it works. They have were filming it here in San Francisco for a, a long time. So it was big news here i'm um, such
0: sort of a pessimist because i'm i'm sitting here talking like it might still not happen
2: yeah i mean the trailer's out i think it's coming out in december so at this point the wheels would really have to come off the wagon <laughs> i'm okay I'm, guys no I, <laughs> i'm cautiously optimistic what about you
3: elias i i'm excited for it it's funny i was talking to alex about this a lot who's a huge matrix fan and I would be totally content with something that's more or less a remaster of the first. But it looks from the trailer that it's going to rehash quite a lot of the concepts from the first and that it could possibly be the most meta movie ever.
2: Yeah, they're they're watching The Matrix in the background of one of the clips, right? Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, it does look like it's a continuation, which I kind of like better than a complete reboot.
1: I do too. So if you had to pick, uh, Elias, between RoboCop, The Matrix, and Tron, what would you pick? The Matrix. I'm going to pick The Matrix,
3: too. Yeah, absolutely. The visuals and Tron.
1: So so, so Tron, I think, I mean, that's got a special place in all of our hearts. If you're a person of a certain age, how do you not? Like, that's right up there. But for me, it's it's RoboCop. That uh, you've got three seconds to comply. I mean, come on, that robot, like... I don't know, that robot does it for me.
0: When I hear things like that, I remember basic training.
1: <laughs> Two, there, there is some overlap there. You have to wonder who was writing that line. But um, but yeah, so so that'd be me. All right, Doc. Okay. Question's yours are all us all night talking about Taco Bell and the, the restaurant that survived <laughs> the, the restaurant wars.
0: No, no, Taco Bell. It is not Mexican food. It is something weird. Um, so <laughs> now that we've heard my opinion about Doc. Talk- Um, which was really what got you into the your first love. Sorry. What was your first love? Sci-fi or fantasy? Or did you just jump straight in headfirst into cyberpunk?
1: And Elias, since you're new to the show, you get to answer first.
3: All right. It's sci-fi for sure. Um, In terms of getting into either genre, um, I, found a Michael Crichton book when I was in fourth or fifth grade. And that happened to be Congo, which was a fairly disturbing book to read at that age,
0: Yes, uh, I but I loved it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so that's why I'm still damaged to this day. And, uh, that really led like my love of sci-fi ever then since. And it was really like Michael Crichton that was driving that for a lot of years.
0: Yeah. No, I love the fact that you've defined, him in part as a sci-fi author because there are so many people who are like, I don't read sci-fi. I'm like, really? You read Jurassic Park?
1: It's an excellent book, though. I've read all of them.
0: Oh, no, I'm not dissing it at all, but there is a certain element of sci-fi to it. Well, and and
1: Michael
2: Crichton also wrote the original script for Westworld. It was the only movie that he wrote without having written uh, the book first, and it's considered early cyberpunk. I mean, if you think about it, it is... Yeah. Androids going rogue and and right. becoming sentient and killing the the humans.
0: So would Isaac Asimov's Foundation series fit under cyberpunk?
2: I
3: haven't read it. Okay, I, th- I don't right. think so. It's it's kind of missing.
0: Yeah, it's missing the, like, transhumanism. I think and- what I was uh, uh, there's the I am Robot movie.
2: That yeah, iRobot is certainly yeah, well within I that house.
1: All right, but Matt, you didn't answer. So uh what what was your first love? Was it speculative in speculative fiction? Was it sci fi or fantasy?
2: Um, so uh for just in general, it was fantasy that that made me a nerd in the first place. But um it um of course my phone's potential spam. Um, but for early science fiction, what got me into cyberpunk. It was, I think I mentioned reading Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, reading Philip K. Dick for the first time was so eye opening for me. It was one of those books where you read it and you're just like dumbstruck by the world an author author was able to craft. And it's one of the moments where I realized like, oh, I would love to do this because, you know, I created my first fantasy world at 12. So I really like wanted to be doing this from as early an age as possible.
1: I mean, when I was 12, I was just planning the invasion of Cobra headquarters. But, I mean, you know, fantasy worlds are cool, too. <laughs> uh,
0: I don't know. I wanted to be captain of oh, – well, I wanted Starfleet. I, I, I was realizing and coping with the uh, reality I was never going to get into Starfleet.
1: Well, now you can join Battlestar Galactica – I mean, the Space Force. <laughs> it's all coming together for you.
0: If, if they took would take me, I would be gone in a minute. <laughs> You'd be left. The Cylons
3: will be here any day. Just, yeah,
0: right? Just, just wait. Rules. Be ready. That's fine. If they can babysit my son, I'll be happy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would be an interesting set of babysitters. I, I don't know how I feel about that.
0: Uh, but, you know. My son has destructive power like nothing else. I think we're good.
2: <laughs> well, and that's one of the great questions in, in Cyberpunk, you know, which is how. Th- iRobot opens is, do you trust your, I mean, not the the book, not the movie. It, um, do you trust your child with an Android babysitter?
0: I think I feel bad for the Android.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, Doc. We don't <laughs> want to badmouth your son. He might listen someday. So we'll move on. No. <laughs>
0: He, I think he would take it as a badge of honor. So, what was your first memory of engaging in the speculative fiction genre? Was it reading, playing, watching? How did you discover the wonderful umbrella of Specfic? Elijah, well, well, Elias, sorry. <laughs> That's
3: good. You got to have a hard name just to, to mix it up. Um, <laughs> I'll sidestep the question a little bit since I already talked about Michael Crichton. And I will instead go with the Deus Ex video game because that was my entry point to Cyberpunk. And uh, I I would say growing up, there were like two games that I I couldn't step away from to the point where like my parents were mad at me about it. And it was either Deus Ex or Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. Okay. Um,
0: I was a little afraid you were going to say, wow.
3: (laughs) No. (laughs) No. No, I I got addicted to something much simpler. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Uh, For me,
2: I think um, one of the things was I started tabletop playing pretty young once I sort of realized, you know, once I found uh, sort of Warhammer fantasy role play and Dungeons and Dragons, you know, sort of met that need. But then once, you know, I discovered um, Blade Runner, and Akira, I was sort of like, well, I need, I need more of this world. And so I started playing cyberpunk 2020 and shadow run. So yeah. those were, those were certainly my introductions, you know, cause I always liked to, to, to GM. So it was the, you know, I think for a lot of people, it's an early way of storytelling, of crafting worlds of creating characters. It's, it's, you know, for as much as people poo pooed it, well, certainly, you know, in the eighties at the time, whatever, like it, It has it really helped foster creativity within me and was really my introduction to creating a near future world.
1: Now, I have it on good authority that did turn you into a devil worshiper.
3: Well, that is also true. I think it did.
2: You're
1: probably drinking
3: Mountain Dew right now, too. Cheetos.
1: (laughs) Maybe. All right. So how did your love of speculative fiction? um, Excuse me. What is it you love about speculative fiction as a genre, Elias? Oh boy. Um, it covers the whole umbrella. So you can you can answer yeah. as broadly or as narrowly as you prefer.
3: Sure. I love that there's kind of boundless creativity with it. Um so there are plenty of other genres, you know, historical fiction or just straight up history, um, where you have some pretty strong rails that you need to stay on. And I think what's exciting about speculative fiction, whether it's science fiction or fantasy or or something in between is that you can go in a really bizarre direction. And undoubtedly you will find someone else who appreciates that. Um, You know, there's certain little genres that coalesce where there are groups of people who all kind of appreciate similar things. But in reality, um, no matter how bizarre your idea is within this world, there's probably someone else who connects with it. And I think that's something that's really unique and cool about speculative fiction.
1: Okay. All right, Matt, can you top that one?
3: I sh- I don't know if I can top it, but I I can certainly say
2: that I think I really love asking questions about man's relationship with technology. I think that's something that's great about cyberpunk and speculative fiction in general. I or Black Mirror, I like just playing the tape forward a little bit and seeing what can go wrong. You know, William Gibson talks about what the street can do with technology, but I, I just really like the sort of cautionary tale nature of it. One of my, it's a small moment that I just loved writing in one of my books and it just came, um, came and went in a flash, but the main character has a, a, a chip in his head so he can do neural commands, that kind of thing. And he enters the city for the first time. He leaves his sort of like corporate world and he immediately gets a pop up ad in his brain. And I really like that idea, you know, it's a, and then nothing happens, you know, he just walks on. It's a two, it's, you know, like two sentences, but I just like asking those kind of questions, putting those kind of things out there and seeing what people feel about it. I think that's a really cool, a really cool aspect of writing in speculative fiction.
1: Okay. All right, so how did your love of speculative fiction transition into you guys writing stories in that space, Um, Matt?
2: Um, so for me, it was, well, I think I, I may have mentioned this the last time, you know, uh, it was something that I've always wanted to write. And as I said, I created these worlds. Um, a few years ago, I did Nano NaNoWriMo. I wrote almost all of a second fantasy book. And so I had written almost two fantasy books in like six months. And I just said to myself, if I have to think about another Alfred dwarf again, I'm going to jump off a bridge. So I decided <laughs> to, um, I decided like to, to pursue my other love, which was always this very narrow genre of cyberpunk. And, um, so I just decided to start writing into neon and that's, and that was, you know, the rest is history. Cause once I started writing it, I couldn't stop. I'm just loving writing in this world.
0: Okay. I think I carry always seems to carry through as a fan and a reader. It seems to carry through, if that makes sense.
1: So what about, what about you, Elias?
3: Yeah, I think for me, I mean, touching back on kind of the roots and Michael Crichton and like Jurassic Park and timeline and sphere and things like that. However bizarre the concepts were particularly, I would say like sphere and timeline, um, they felt really real and believable. And I think when I set out to write within this area, I wanted to write stories that to me were sci-fi. This, these are things that don't exist, but they feel just real enough, um, to be believable. And, you know, that's, A big part of what led me to cyberpunk, um, and maybe that's taking a grim outlook on the future because it is inherently a a dystopian genre and so often, not always, but um, it led me in that direction of, you know, writing about these worlds of corporate corruption or in the case of Europa, um, you know, it starts out as this big space mission that's supposed to go to Jupiter's moon Europa. And there's supposed to be this cooperative mission between NASA and a private space corporation. Um, And the protagonist is one of the big time NASA engineers. And he finds out the space corporation has sort of nefarious intents for the mission. And so the whole thing goes off the rails and the mission never leaves. And, you know, even now you kind of look at some of the interactions happening, say, for example, with Blue Origin and NASA, it doesn't feel so far off and i think that's what i really was trying to achieve and really what pulled me into speculative fiction
1: okay i can buy that i actually posited in one of the universes i created and wrote a, wrote a novel or two in that the uh, the way we were going to get uh extraterrestrial habitation was it was going to start with like some sort of lunar colony with like the real housewives of the moon or something crazy with uh reality tv because I mean that just sort of seems to be the way things are going. So I can appreciate where you're coming from with that one. All right. So many authors let their own real life experiences influence the way they tell stories. So was there any um, formidable moment that you think shaped you as a storyteller, Matthew? Um,
2: I'm trying to remember how I answered that the last time, so that I don't answer it the the same way. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I think I think to 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 hearken back to the to the tabletop stuff. You know. That that really was one of those things that made me want to tell stories. I'm, I'm an inherently shy person by nature. And so I don't necessarily like getting myself out there or like the the fame aspect or anything, but I love storytelling and I do like connecting with people on that level. And so I've always had that like tight knit group of friends and I like the, the the playing games with a small group. And now, you know, it's just hopefully my group of friends is just sort of grown into readers who are hopefully enjoying, you know, the, the worlds I'm trying to craft.
1: Okay. All right, doc, you get to ask your favorite fandom questions. Yay! And we have it on good authority that Matt just came back from a con. So maybe he'll yes. have different answers this time. <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> so transitioning away from all of this, and let's talk a little bit about you guys as authors slash a little bit of celebrity so have you had any cool fan art or cosplay yet of any of your characters
2: yeah so i was lucky enough to um recently have a cosplayer reach out to me and they did um ina who is the character who is most commonly cosplayed from my world um she was one of the sort of breakout characters from my first book to the point where after writing the second book, I ended up writing an entire novella about her backstory just because it was the, the character that people seem to want to know more about and has, has received some cosplay and some fan art. And recently I had a cosplayer, um, do the Ina cosplay. She had 4,000 followers when she started. She's now at about 10 K and the, um, And the cosplay has 12,000 likes. Um, Awesome. It was, I'll tell you, it was pretty, pretty cool for me. It was a a pretty cool moment. I mean, seeing any of your characters in real life is remarkable, but to see the positive reaction from it, um, it, you know, it's it's
3: hard to beat. And you can really see the effort she put into it too. You know, it was a really good quality cosplay and really captured the character.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. I, and I, if you
2: follow uh, Cyberpunk Day, if you follow the hashtag on Sunday on October tenth, um, she may have some more cosplay coming at you. So if you follow that hashtag, you may you may see some more Cyberpunk cosplay.
0: Dude, that would be amazing. I have it's near and dear to my heart seeing cosplays off of literature characters. So, um, so it's always like my favorite question to ask.
1: And so you'll be listening to this on Friday. So the cyberpunk day will be that this coming the Sunday after you listen to this. Just so if you're listening, you can click the link and, and do the things on Sunday. All right, doc, we got another one. We got one more of your fandom questions. Try to control yourself.
0: So has, have you spotted somebody reading one of your books out in the wild?
3: Um, purportedly, my parents have seen someone reading a copy of Europa on a plane leaving Phoenix to somewhere on the East Coast. So. That's probably one of my biggest claims to fame.
0: That's it, awesome. It could
1: also be that your mom gave him the book and said, hold on, hold, on, hold this for just a 2nd Right. I mean, I'm just going to snap a picture, real quick.
0: mom plots that much. Don't
1: don't do that to me, Jr.
0: <laughs> my my mom doesn't him. care
1: enough to do that. She's like, yeah, whatever.
0: Whatever. Your mother, Tooth Fairy,
3: whatever. all over again. You're
1: right. Well, see, I'm just a little bitter because my mom likes Saskia better than she likes me. So I'm whatever. I'm you want to
0: trade? You can have my mom. She'll never <laughs> read anything you write, but you can have my.
1: <laughs> All right. What about you, Matt? Have you spotted anybody reading your book? I I have
2: I have. If there are people I know, I have yet to be on a Muni bus and and see somebody reading it. But I did um, recently get the bookstore that I grew up going to in San Francisco, they started carrying my book and they told me that they sold out of it. I actually just heard this week that they sold out of my book in my, in my bookstore as a child, my childhood bookstore. So while it's not quite the same as like seeing it out in the wild, that knowing that That's there are people huge. walking around San Francisco, buying up my books and it's Green Apple Books, which if you're, familiar with San Francisco, it's a huge bookstore. So my book is very small in one little corner on a shelf next to like Frank Herbert and Neil Gaiman. So the fact I that have, people are buying of this book,
0: bookstore, actually, I have a friend out there.
2: So. It's pretty, yeah, if you, if, I think if you're in the book world at all, and you know, San Francisco, that's going to be the store you know.
1: All right. Uh, and so Matt, when we did the introduction, you already told us about what you've written, but Elias, you did not. So this is the part of the introduction where you tell the guests about your body of work. So can you give us the reader's digest version?
3: Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll kick off with Europa, which is my most recent novel. Uh, Europa is cyberpunk. I learned after writing it, people started telling me it was cyberpunk. So, Oh, cool. That's what you call this. Um, and then, uh, Let's see. Well, I guess actually I lied. The most recent one before that would be my entry in the Neo cyberpunk anthology, um, which was an anthology that we released earlier this year. Is that this year, Matt? It It might've been last year. It's all a blur now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but a collection of, of great indie authors who, you know, we all kind of know each other and are digital friends or you know, to different degrees. Um, And it's a really strong collection of stories. Uh, It's something I'm always just really proud to share with people that, you know, if they read my story, I know right off the top of my head four other stories to recommend out of it. Um, before that, um, I have a novella out called Lenny, um, which is a completely different right turn. It's about a meth addict who collects roadkill to feed her mama's pet alligator. Um, Oh. And it's just kind of a, a fun tale of Lenny discovering that she doesn't want to keep using meth anymore. Um, so if you're familiar with like Elmore Leonard or Carl Hiaasen or any of those authors, I think it was really inspired by reading some of their books when I was younger. Um, and then I, I have a novel as well that's kind of a, I guess, a paranormal thriller um, called Planning a Prison Break that was my first novel. And. I would say, although the the story is good, the writing needs some work. Um, so so be kind if you read it, but um, still a book that I'm proud to have made because it was my first one.
1: See, so I thought you were gonna be like, yeah, that's when I decided to quit doing math and I decided to become a writer <laughs> and you were gonna give us this great rags to riches story, but you know, it's cool too.
0: I have known some authors who go back 10 years or I think in one case it was 20 years after and they re-edited their book but they they're like first book they're like i'm fixing this
1: (laughs) it's it's a risk versus like uh return on investment decision like is it really worth it or do you just write the next one i my my money is just go forward but yeah
3: and that's kind of where i am with it It, it's got its faults but it's a good snapshot of where i was at that time as a writer and so it's it's a good landmark you know to compare that to
0: europa I'm told Heinlein never read any of his work once it went into publication. He just walked away from it.
1: Now, once he did one pass through, I think he said on his rules for writing, Heinlein was like, you know, let's never edit again after the second pass unless it's for editorial requirements or something. Hmm. I mean, he, he would.
2: Well, and going back and fixing things doesn't necessarily work either. I'm thinking, you know, when I was so excited to go to the movie theater to find out that Greedo in fact shot first. So, you know, maybe just sometimes leave things alone. Well, and
1: and on, top of that, when when he was writing and it was a typewriter, like you really had to want it. If you were going to do an edit, you're retyping the whole dang page and hope you don't move on to the next page because now everything, no, thank you. No. Um, we, we've been spoiled by the uh, by the laptops and the- little like, and The little red laptops. squiggly line. Yeah. <laughs>
3: i didn't realize that until just now (laughs) i'm imagining that scenario and it's awful
1: so uh let's talk about why we're here now if you see the bottom of the screen if you're watching instead of listening um, you've got the the website for cyberpunk day which is cyberpunkday.com really easy to remember um but that's why we're here so can you tell us about what cyberpunk day is and either one of you can answer it this is sort of more broad question
2: well i think we both probably both have things that aspects that we can talk about um just really broadly as I said at the, in the, at the top of the show, this is really designed as a celebration of this genre. You know, it's a genre that a lot of people know, but not necessarily everybody knows what it is. As, as we talked about, I just did my first con. When people came up to me, I asked, hey, do you love cyberpunk? That was going to be my sort of opening gambit. And a lot of people... Well, some people said no, which then I thought, why would you come to my table? But awesome. And then some people said, oh, I don't know what what cyberpunk is or a lot of people did. And this was at a, a science fiction themed. I mean, William Shatner was there. You know, this was at a con for this audience. And they didn't know what cyberpunk was. Um, so it it feels cool to be creating a day that celebrates a genre that a lot of people could still serve to be exposed to. And I think a lot of people would love, I mean, a lot of people know Ready Player One or The Matrix or um, any of the other properties Blade Runner that we've we've mentioned, but maybe they don't know a lot of the other great things that are out there. So what um, we've really done is try to bring together a bunch of indie creators. You know, we're not some big corporation telling people what cyberpunk is or trying to shill our products or anything. We're just a bunch of really passionate indie creators who are doing this. I was going to say for free, but basically at cost to ourselves just to try to share our, I mean, at this point, <laughs> uh,
0: I know how that one feels <laughs> yeah,
2: buy our merch. Um, you know, so it's, um, just a bunch of super passionate people who are working tirelessly to, um, you know, share share their their passion with the world, and Elias, you can um, share a little bit about what we're actually going to be doing on Cyberpunk Day. But just shout out to you for all of the work. He basically did all of the web design, is running all of the actual day. You know, I had this idea to, to try to bring some people together, but I actually couldn't have done any of it. I can invite all the people I want, but I can't do it without somebody actually doing the, the real work. So just a huge shout out and thank you to you, Elias, for doing it.
1: <laughs> while he said they're not doing it to show their work, if you want to go buy his stuff, he's definitely not telling you not to do
0: yeah, that. Yeah, we will not stop you. In fact, I will encourage you to. So.
1: Yeah, if it turns out you
2: end up loving cyberpunk after cyberpunk day, Europa and a cyberpunk saga are great entry points
1: speaking of cyberpunk day before doc asks her next question I'm, I'm gonna bogart you for a second and oh my goodness they don't have a book cover because we're not talking about a book specifically but this is the cyberpunk day 20 i love over.
0: this because honestly there are sometimes where cyberpunk seems so dark and this is so not and after 2020 i like bright stuff because i need the bright stuff <laughs>
3: We're on the same wavelength there. If you saw our general aesthetic last year for the first Cyberpunk Day, it was a lot, lot darker and, you know, kind of more of that gritty element of Cyberpunk. But the more I thought about it, a big part of what makes Cyberpunk visually interesting is that you have this mix of you know, kind of dark, gritty cities, but also really bright lights and fancy technologies. So this mixture of kind of dark and bold. Um, And for this year, frankly, we just wanted to have fun. Like, you know, (laughs) 2020 was kind of a a suck fest in a lot of ways. And um, so we just wanted to have a lot of fun this year and go with like bold and bright things that still kind of captured that element of cyberpunk.
1: Okay. All right, Doc, I won't interrupt again. What, wait, you no, can no. interrupt. Uh, 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 okay, you can go.
0: <laughs> so mostly because I don't seem to be able to stop you.
1: <laughs> uh, so
0: what makes cyber spon- Cyberpunk particularly special for you?
3: I'll jump. I can jump in on that one. Um, I think for me, it's it's a great collection of questions that really make up cyberpunk and it's about, you know, what do people do with power, particularly corporations and and government, and Mm -hmm. um, is money power or is government actually power? Um, Also, what do we do with technology? What is our relationship with technology in our future, right? So much of cyberpunk is about integrating technologies with our bodies or integrating our minds into technology and living through artificial worlds instead of the real world. And I, you know, they're really great questions and, you know, maybe people always feel like they're right on the cusp of these things happening, but it feels like we're so close on some of these integrations of the human body with technology, like synthetic eyes and brain computer interfaces. Um,
0: I actually know one of the researchers who's working on that with chips in the brain for uh, Alzheimer's.
3: Nice. yeah it, it's so cool
0: <laughs> yeah it is um, it is absolutely fascinating and um i will totally have to tell him to go poke him and then poke him in the court and go go look at this because i'm not sure he's gotten into it so he's really into mill sf but uh i can fix that i'm sure i
1: mean there's nothing
0: wrong listening, with that, he's probably laughing um so but uh but also, how about
2: you, Michael? Matthew, why did I call you Michael? Oh, you called me Michael uh, the last time, too. This is gonna, I'm just going to keep showing up until you get it. Um, so I think what, you know, all the things that Elias said are absolutely spot on. It feels like a very vital genre right now. Um, also, just to, to go back one thing, I think for if there are people who are into military science fiction, I think there is a good a nice Venn diagram of people who will also really love cyberpunk. There's a lot of similar questions It's and a lot of similar um, technologies. It's just, there are slight differences. You don't see aliens really in cyberpunk, but it's all, you know, the, a lot of future tech that you do see in, in military science yeah. also.
0: Um, well, and I think military really is a game for going in that direction.
2: Yeah, well and I think there's a lot of questions there too. I mean the nature of of moving forward with advancing weapons and advancing robotics and those are all things that science or that uh cyberpunk really loves to to tackle, but it feels like a really um a really good time to ask these questions because technology is advancing so rapidly it it, it does behoove us to stop and think about these things, how do these things affect our lives, our practical lives, our real lives? Um, so a genre like uh cyberpunk that asks those questions and, and poses more questions than it, um, you know, supposes to answer, I think that's a, a really uh, it's a perfect fit as a genre for right now where we are in yeah, human
0: history. I, I really feel like these are questions I would feel much better about if we uh discuss them more as a society before we get too far into them? Just because, like, what is the nature of sentience and consciousness?
1: I mean, but this is humanity, so we're just going to stumble into it and then do the article. Did I do that yet? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's going to be the way it's going to be.
2: Well, and that's the thing, is that it's, it's, you know, oh, the next generation of whatever technology, shiny, awesome, let's get into it. You know, it's that um, we're so excited whether or not we could, that we can't stop. We didn't exactly. stop and think yeah, if we yeah. should, he you know, to yeah. go back to Crichton, this Crichton Love Fest today.
1: That was some of the most prophetic, I think I, I've read. Though it's, that's a good question. I don't know if he was the original person that posited it, but but it was a good one.
2: Almost certainly not, but but Ian Malcolm said it best.
1: Yes, he well,
0: did. and he I think he said it in a way that uh, most most people heard it.
2: Right, because literally everybody saw Jurassic Park.
0: Pretty much
1: dinosaurs. What could go wrong?
2: Well, and that's yeah. and that's the great thing about a lot of the Crichton stuff too, is it is is that exact thing. What could go wrong?
1: And then you see exactly what could go wrong. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Let me show
1: you. And then yeah, right? maybe yeah. that's why
0: I'm such a pessimist.
1: Every time you see something like, oh, they just found a woolly mammoth in Serbia and they want to see if they can pull it back to life. And you get the obligatory memes, like we have three movies, an entire franchise telling you why this is gonna go wrong. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with with AI and all of these technologies that they are just rushing headlong into. And there are going to be practical, positive medical applications, you know, for all of these things. And there are going to be the ugly, bad side. You know, um, for Cyberpunk Day, I was lucky enough to interview Mike Pondsmith, who was the guy who created the tabletop role-playing game Cyberpunk 2020, and uh, which inspired the game. Cyberpunk 2077, which sort of blew up last year. Um, and he talked about how one of the, the things that we're going to have to look for with technology is making sure that the 1% of people who want to do good with it aren't outshadowed by the 10% of people who want to do ill with it. And I thought that was really yeah. good. And as a sneak preview for all of those people who are excited for some Cyberpunk Day content for some of the, for some of the things that we have going on on Cyberpunk Day. Nice
0: awesome
1: so so that that does make me think when you talk about like the computer part of it whereas i knew somebody that was working on the uh, facebook's ai that they shut it down because it started making its own language I'm, I'm trying to get him to come on he, he's really worried about those ndas he signed and i can't afford his lawyers so fair enough but but i met him at an author he, he happens to be married to an author so i, I met him at a author convention But uh, that would be something interesting to start thinking about as far as like what it really means because right right now our go to when we think AI is Skynet, but does it have to be like that's, you know, one of the things about thinking about the future of technology and, and then when you start thinking about people talking about pairing that with implantables like you would get in Cyberpunk, it gets to be a real interesting future i think
2: well that's one of the themes that has started to develop i think since we last spoke i have uh, two new books out and one of which was called mind hack and it deals with the fact that you put a chip in your head and the implication is of course can somebody hack your brain and so that i i really like delving into questions like that because you know people would love to be able to text just by thinking it but there's there's a flip side to that too
0: I mean, can you I don't imagine Just by thinking it, trust me, you really don't want to see what goes on in my can, head.
1: Can you imagine the <laughs> drunk guy that suddenly starts sending out Not everything that, he's ever thought to everyone? Like that's going to end badly.
2: Oh, see, I want, I want you to join our next um, anthology and write that story.
1: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's so perfect. Did you follow the uh, development? I, I don't remember when it was. Since we last interview, where Elon Musk used the uh, the chips in the brain of the pig to control its movement.
2: Yeah, the stuff he's doing with the neural mesh is going to be Bad. Is, is going to be interesting. I mean that that dude is is the future of cyberpunk storytelling because he is doing all of the things,
1: <laughs> and, terms- and you
2: know, and he's perfect because whether or not evil mega corporation, but he's certainly the head of a mega corporation. So all the cyberpunk things seem to be coming to pass.
1: Yes, I've noticed that. I, I will say that uh, we have a whole series of books. Terry Mixon wrote his Empire of Bones. Doc and I have both read them, where the whole fall of the human race. That
0: is amazing, and you're wrong, Dale.
1: Yeah, but the whole premise of this, the whole human race fell because they put mesh in their heads with nanites and, and all of that to control the electricity, and then it got hacked. And it, like, basically turned them into killing machines against each other. So the AIs took over. And I just keep thinking, like, that that's such a standard thing that, that – there's got to be some reason why everyone's mind goes there, right? Like there yeah.
0: I think there's like a, a level of plausible deniability about responsibility for things.
1: Well, and I think every generation
2: has seen as new technologies are developed the way human nature then wields them for ill. And so there's a healthy fear of whatever the next technology is. Or I mean it's just every generation saying that the next generation's stuff sucks too. I mean there's just the part of that in it as well um but i think a healthy fear is probably good but that's probably why every author comes up with the same rogue ai turning us against ourselves or killing us
0: i mean well i mean i think some of it was there was a thing um was a study done or something and it was an interesting article that the biggest danger in a natural disaster post the natural disaster itself is actually other humans
1: yeah so like it's not like i live in in a hurricane prone area so for me it's never the hurricanes i'm never worried about that but it's the stupid people in large numbers that i do worry about right which is sort of the danger of living in suburbia and and in big cities like when people panic in large numbers because people like i don't know what
0: you're talking about
1: an individual human is smart but groups of people are dumb i think ian malcolm said that one too um but he probably said it a lot better um I think that was a,
3: a men in black reference as well.
1: Maybe, maybe. In fact, it was. You're right. You're right. I'm remembering the scene now. Um, but so when you were talking about the technology and how we always end up abusing it, I, I remember like the guy that invented dynamite, um, Nobel was his last name. That was actually to make mining safer.
0: Yeah. Of course. He held the Nobel Prize.
1: Right. And then instantly humanity turned it into a weapon of war. And so when he realized they were going to call him a merchant of death on his, on his obituary. Because they accidentally published it before he died. That's why he invented the Nobel Peace Prize. Because he didn't want to be remembered as the Merchant of Death. And it's just like even the best of intentions, right? Like, and that's actual, like, a factual historical. That is a
2: fascinating story.
1: But it, that's that's like in a nutshell everything that's wrong with with technology. We're not wrong with it, but like the danger of technology is that people wonder why I don't like people.
2: Well, it's Einstein too. I mean, talking about his regrets at the end of his life or Oppenheimer. You know, the, these yeah. geniuses who advanced humanity through the sciences, just to see their technologies bastardized. It's, you know, it's gotta be brutal. I get why you want to invent the Nobel Peace Prize.
1: And that's why Doc added the question when we asked every author for their interviews of all the technology they invented, what would they want for daily use? And then we immediately follow that. And now how would you abuse it? Because that's, let's face it, if we had the, uh, the good technology, we'd, we'd be totally poking our eye out with a lightsaber.
0: Yeah, I mean, would Jr. would be blind by now.
1: I've cut off my ears on accident. Hey, y'all, watch this. I don't know, in a month, we could so... be carving the turkey with a lightsaber. Yes. cross Prosthetic be- hands
3: need to come far before the lightsaber.
1: <laughs> yeah, that you've got me thinking now. All right, we're going to have to put that anthology together. But uh, all right, Doc, ask the trope question.
0: Well, I think we've covered a bunch of tropes. So, But are there any other tropes? within uh cyberpunk that really make cyberpunk the subgenre or the genre it is i mean we've talked about transhumanism ais uh of course humans doing stupid shit with technology um which i feel is kind of like any redneck with a beer and a computer um but <laughs> um those are my but, people yeah, so uh, sentientness, AIs. What are the other ones that are really big?
2: Elias, you want to take this one?
0: Or fou- not even big, but just kind of foundational and defining. Um, the heavy question. Kind of a, a foundational
3: and defining one is is sort of the reluctant protagonist um, to to abuse the Adam Jensen line. I never asked for this. I, I think that line was sort of expressing what so many. Cyberpunk protagonists are. Um, they're sort of begrudgingly roped into this situation. And I think sometimes it, it injects a good bit of levity if they're kind of making fun of the situation or themselves are a little bit aloof because it can be so heavy as a genre. Okay. Yeah, I think also, um, you know, we haven't really
2: talked a little bit, it was touched on, but the aesthetic of cyberpunk. The neon, the rain, um, flying cars, I think are all aspects that you see frequently. Drug abuse, um, you know, obviously the hackers. We've talked a lot about the, the tech side of it, um, but then the evil mega corporations, puppet governments and the little guy trying to, you know, take on the power. And I think you know when you talk about the reluctant, the reluctant hero, that's always, of course, going to be a part of it too. And I think that owes a lot to the sort of noir heritage, a lot too. Um, But don't forget the whiskey.
3: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Um, The aesthetic is also, I think.
0: Never forget the whiskey.
1: There you go. I had a friend of mine, a a guy I served with, we talk sometimes, and he asked me I said, "Hey, got to go. against podcast." And I told him we were doing the the cyberpunk, and he's, "Oh, you mean a drunken tale of David versus Goliath?" (laughs) Better whiskey. I'm stealing that
2: one. That is great.
1: (laughs) So if you can tell, he was a fan. So I did send him the link. So hopefully you get one more person watching.
2: Oh, awesome. um,
1: So before I forget, because, you know, I've got a list of questions about just Cyberpunk in general, as we prepare to celebrate Cyberpunk Day, Uh, who all is going to be participating? Is it just the two of you? Or is there more people?
2: Oh, great. That's a great question. Yeah. So for Cyberpunk Day, we have collected a huge number of people from all over um, the genre. We didn't want to stick to just indie authors, though we do have about two and a half hours of independent authors reading, you know, 10 to 15 minutes of their books to give you a, a sample. So we did include a lot of indie authors. So for your audience who, are, you know, are voracious readers, you could be introduced to a, a whole bunch of new authors. Uh, early in the day, we have um, video game makers. So we have a dev panel with. Three people who created indie cyberpunk video games and then also early in the day we have a cyberpunk roundtable where me and two other cyberpunk authors trace sort of the the history of the genre so if you're let's say new to cyberpunk and just want to get a little bit of a taste of what this genre might be about early in the day we have content for you where you could really you know sink your teeth into what this genre means and get into discussions like we're having here and then, Elias, can you think of any other great content that we have?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a personal favorite of mine is uh, there will be a speed run of Days X um, done by a, a gamer named Hanky, um, who I first saw on Games Done Quick. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but it's it's a big, I think it's a biannual event now of speed running video games. Um, so as I mentioned, I, I spent far too many hours playing that game as a kid and saw him. <laughs> Crush it basically, and um, I was hooked. So he will be doing a a speed run. We have a screening of Venus, which is a short film directed by Andrew McGee. Really, really cool cyberpunk film, amazingly strong story for you know just like a 20 minute entry, and hopefully, it's going to become uh, a couple hours more. And a recent
2: award winner, it actually won yes, uh, a that's science right. fiction at a, fall, a small festival just this week, uh, oh, Andrew Postle. Wow. And so we also have an interview with him and a director commentary track that is premiering on Cyberpunk Day.
1: But that's it's not awesome. as cool as uh, Doc's favorite small festival, Dragon Con.
0: Not small. I love you, but you're stupid. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, and I, I don't want to forget the um, the Cyberpunk Red one-shot playthrough um, with, uh, Mr. Stids will be the, the GM. And then there's, there's quite a few players there. And I think that'll be pretty cool. And that's kind of rounding out the night. So it and, like- and, uh,
2: capping off actually the one thing that I did mention earlier, but the, the interview with Mike Pondsmith, who is sort of a luminary in in the genre because he, you know, in 1988 created the, the game. Well, cyberpunk, uh, 2013, I think it was at the time, but, um, you know, the, the first cyberpunk tabletop game that really helped establish the word. And, um, so it was a real boon for us, our Telsorian games has come on board as sort of partnering with us. They also have contributed to our giveaway. We are doing, you know, for anybody, like I said, who's interested in getting into this genre, if you sign up for our mailing list, you're automatically entered for our giveaway and you could win an entire uh, Cyberpunk Red box set, audiobooks, eBooks, and video games. So Ooh. it's, um, there's a lot of content in there. So if you're, you know, thinking you want to get some cyberpunk in your life, uh, cyberpunkday.com, is your one-stop shop also the website year round we have um recommendations for cyberpunk properties that aren't the matrix or aren't as well known that are curated by the people who are contributing to cyberpunk day so andrew who directed venus you know he has a movie recommendation we have authors giving book recommendations we actually have um one of my personal favorites anna mcfarland who has as she says a phd in william gibson she helped write the actual um like a textbook about the genre of cyberpunk. She has recommendations on the site. So the, you know, there is content year round. So if you're just looking to get into cyberpunk, it's, it's a great uh, place to sort of uh, dip your feet.
0: That sounds great. it sounds like you have something for everybody, no matter what their medium is.
2: That was our goal with, with setting up the website. We didn't want to be any one thing. It's the same thing I should mention. If you go to cyberpunkday.com on, um, on October 10th, you just hit play on the website and you will be seeing the content live. You don't have to sign up for services. You don't have to log in or do some crap. You just go to the site and hit play and you'll see the content live the next day. Except for Venus, of course, we're not we're not going to be streaming his his movie after on YouTube. But um all of the content will be available the next day if you ended up wanting to hear from some of the authors that you missed, all of the content I'm well I say next day, I'm gonna to try to get it out for the next day. It's a heap of work to get 25 YouTube videos up with all of the links, but I'm going to try my hardest between now and then to get those working so that if you the you get people in Australia who can not get it will be able to access no, it. Your computer is that. gonna
3: melt first, Matt.
1: If you get <laughs> yeah. 25 uploaded in a day, you like get a medal because sometimes it takes me two hours to get an hour long video to load. Uh, yeah. Oh man, I'm in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Maybe two weeks. Let's, let's be. You sometime awesome after cyberpunk video. day
2: there will be content available
1: but before next year cyberpunk definitely before next year okay. that's the one
0: you just to sprinkle it out ration it out to people aka put it up as fast so as you can
1: you've got you've got video games movies um and do you have do you,
0: comics we gotta ask nick couldn't make the meeting but nick wants me to ask i'm 0 for 2 with comics? nick
2: and I he keep wanting to promise. hit him up to 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 do a comic with me one of these days.
1: He he would like he's totally looking for writers. So like you so. got ideas, he might be down.
2: Oh man, I should pitch him. I actually have an idea that I've been saving specifically for a comic and that I linked to my world, but I'm just waiting to so we, to, we, to get into. We just um, interviewed
1: him
0: about I one make cases. Nick do, I make Nick do drawings. It's okay. He yeah, he'll we, text me and he'll be like How's everything going today? Why aren't you drawing?
2: <laughs> well, tell him I'm coming for him.
1: Yeah, he did, he did mention that he was looking for writers because you know he's a small company. So if you've got ideas, he's gonna he's gonna hate us for sending him so much business. But but send it to Nick Garber. Yeah,
2: we'll do. Um, so- we don't we don't have um any comics this year, unfortunately. We do have artists though. We have uh, art that we're going to drop on all our socials on the day. We have photographers and artists and cosplayers. So we do have, you know, like I said, we wanted to try to connect with anybody who's making cyberpunk. And hey, if there are cyberpunk comic creators out there who want to hit us up cyberpunkday.com, we Absolutely. want we, <laughs> we want you so badly awesome. we just want you know we're trying to build a community of indie sci- uh, cyberpunk creators so we are welcoming all comers um and so we've we do have a lot of different mediums comics next year when you ask me this question next year the answer is going to be yes we'll
0: make sure it's yes so we have
1: you know you talked about what it means to be cyberpunk and it sounds very tech oriented which to me screams sci-fi but do you envision a way where it'd be possible to have a cyberpunk novel that's fantasy?
2: Um, Elias, do you have an answer for this? Because I think I, I think I have the the answer, which is Shadowrun,
1: um, <laughs> which
2: is you know it's elves and dwarves and orcs with cyberware. Um, so it basically just it, it is it is pretty much that, and there are books written in that. I haven't seen too much else, unless you're familiar, Elias, with more.
0: I think Viridian Gate Online would fit somewhat with it. It's a lit RPG, but it's everybody goes into the or even um, the Goblin King series by uh, R.R. Beardy because they're both lit RPG books, but people they're in a cyberspace. In one case, is in Beardy's, it's because the guy's been put to death. And so his consciousness only lives in the computer now. In the other case, there's a cataclysmic event on Earth. So and everybody lives in the computers now. So that sounds a little cyberpunk-y. But...
2: Yeah, so the, the lit RPG cyberpunk line is pretty blurry. If you click on <laughs> cyberpunk on Amazon, I think 98 out of the top 100 books that aren't Snow Crash and Neuromancer are all lit RPG. <laughs> sure. And, you know, it's it makes sense. It's the the VR world. It's the oftentimes, the like, you know, something like Ready Player One, which I deem cyberpunk, but also could as easily be lit RPG. Um, you know, it, it sort of, blends that, that, those two things. So it, it's a more nuanced distinction between the two genres. There are certain, there are certain distinctions, but I could see how, how those could be pretty well blurred together.
1: So one of the things that you mentioned, um, when we were talking about this was one of the things was like the, the implantable tech was, a, was a sort of a staple of the cyberpunk genre. So that, that begs the question of, of transhumanism and what it actually means to be to be human, if if you start changing yourself. So, do you uh, find that that's a question you get satisfactory answers from when you read, or do you when you read the genre, or when you write your own, or do you end up with more questions than you started?
3: You definitely end up with more questions than when you when you started. I mean, I think, you know, you watch Blade Runner and, am I a robot? You know, am I a replicant? Um, and, and does that make a difference? And, and I think that's usually where the question ends up with Cyberpunk and the, and the questions about how the technology integrates with us is, in the end, does it change who we are? And it's kind of left up to the reader to decide that. I think if it's written well, um, you know, is that you can kind of draw your own conclusions from it. Matt, I don't know if you agree with that or if you're going to... No, I think I
2: 100% think that the 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 questions are is the focal point of the genre more than the answers. There are some authors who do seek to answer questions. I think, especially with earlier cyberpunk, there were authors who would do that more. We, um, we nowadays, it, I think it's more fun to ask the questions necessarily than to try to, to answer them. But I think, you know, you guys talk about the soul becomes something that I find so interesting in, Tackling cyberpunk because you start to talk about consciousness being maybe uploaded into a computer. And so if it's your consciousness, what does that leave behind? you know, um, there's a lot of really interesting questions in this genre. And for me, it's much more fun to to ask those questions. In one of my books, the main character ends up his mind, I believe, is hacking a computer system while, his his robot that used to do the work for him that's an ai based on his personality is hacking his body and controlling his body remotely um and i just like you know again it's more of an action scene but i like the implications of that where you could have a computer controlling your body while your brain is controlling a computer
1: so you have anything to add to that elias
3: Yeah, I do. I mean, I I think this question around consciousness and soul and and the interface between those and maybe even personality, how does technology influence that?
0: I'm um, honestly convinced my laptop has a personality. (laughs) It's not always nice. It's only a matter of time. I I can't explain to you why, but my phone always works like 15 minutes. It is 15 minutes in the future. Whether or not I am is another story.
3: (laughs) Um. Like no. uh, as an example, it, in Europa, um, similar to, you know, what Matt's been touching on from his series, um, the main character has a, a chip in their brain, a biochip, and one of the other characters who you learn is the primary antagonist um, tries to transfer some map data from his chip to the protagonist's chip, and with that inadvertently transfers some of his personality. Um, so they become more similar as the book progresses. And, you know, I liked, I guess that idea of like, if you change enough of the neural pathways in your brain and, and change how electrons move through your brain, can you effectively become someone else? And what does
1: that mean? That's a deep one. I feel like I need a whiskey now. <laughs> that's, that's why there's we so much whiskey in the genre <laughs> yeah so one of the things that I was thinking about when you mentioned the um, you know what, what it means to be human and, and are you human that question as I remember and it was a subplot of the remake of the Battlestar Galactica where the Cylons that were humanoid uh, were asking themselves because nobody knew if they were one or not um, so it sort of makes me wonder if the, the people controlling the remake were, were fans of the genre as well
2: yeah, Battlestar Galactica touched on a lot of um, cyberpunk tropes, and Caprica, which only got one season.
1: Oh my god, was, that was so good! I love. Was that. pretty
2: firmly cyberpunk. Actually, during the cyberpunk roundtable, we spend a good chunk of time talking about Caprica and how that series, which was you know just a prequel series, is pretty much cyberpunk. And so again, this is where, you know, we talk about military science fiction and cyberpunk. The Venn diagram overlaps quite well because they really tackled some of those great questions. Yeah, I mean, if you create a sentient machine and then just let it free, what does it feel about its own soul? And I think that's a great question. Or does it believe it's a person? Or in Blade Runner, I mean, you know, they they um, they have replicants that don't necessarily know their replicants. You know, it's all... It, it's all great. It's all very ripe area for questions.
3: I forgot how weird Battlestar Galactica got toward the end. <laughs> yeah, I <would> have <laughs> I'm not remembering that. watching those last episodes. Like, I, I, I loved it pretty, pretty trippy, Africa,
1: and I never realized that that would be cyberpunk. I just always thought of it was like a sci-fi crime drama because it was centered around the crime family on nu- so I, Like I thought of it along the lines of like the the speakeasy, you know prohibition style mobster movies is sort of how I viewed it like that, taking those ideas into space. Well, and I,
2: and, you know, and I think that's why it's there's cyberpunk elements in that too. I mean, you think about those crime dramas, those are also good noir early noir stories as well that fit perfectly with sort of tech noir and cyberpunk. Um, You know, my offering in Neo cyberpunk, the anthology was a mafia story, a Dixie mafia story in, in well, Neo Orleans you know, in a cyberpunk world.
1: Interesting. Okay. Well, that's that's definitely something fascinating. And now we're going to have to have a panel aside from Cyberpunk Day where we actually just delve into some of this. That could be fun. It no, it was- would be
0: a lot of fun. Uh, I'm realizing one of the um, Second Chance Angels, which we interviewed with Casey Azell and Griffin Barber about very much fits into a lot of this. It has an AI that uh, kind of jumps bodies like she's supposed it's, to
1: it's definitely meet a
0: AI that um, stays with one person and then she has her own very strong personality and stuff with that. But I have some very important questions which I think everybody wants to probably know. Which cyberpunk world would you want to live in? Or would gonna... you not want to live in them In their Altered really carbon.
1: <laughs> I'm just going to
3: put it out there. Would or would not wood altered carbon um i mean you want to live it, forever <laughs> it's it's kind of terrible let's be real i'd probably be like one of the poor people you know <laughs> stuck in a grandma's sleeve but <laughs> <laughs> um it's still it's such an intriguing concept and um i liked that you know there's some some form of space travel in it where they're transferring consciousness and i just thought the the technology was was really
1: cool so what about, yeah what about you matthew
3: um, I think that's a good answer. You know,
2: the 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 only existence of you is as a consciousness is cool. But man, cyberpunk worlds are pretty grim. I mean, you know, 2020, we were half living in one anyway. When I set out to when I set out to create into neon, I just had to add a little bit of backstory to my website. So I wanted to give, you know, people a reason to go to my website. So I created the backstory and I said, Why are people living in this in these mega cities? And the reason I gave was, oh, everybody had to flee the, the rest of the planet into these mega cities because of a thing I called the great pandemic. Just sort of a throwaway thing. Lo and behold, eight months later, you know, we got to live it. And and in my future, everybody basically they live in corporate housing, but everybody works from home using computers and it's toxic, you know, outside and it's. Grim, and then here in 2020 in San Francisco, it literally looked like Blade Runner 2049 when it was orange it, for a day. It, it was very, so.
0: Very
1: I'm freaky. gonna I'm gonna throw this out there, but uh, Matthew was a little bit of a guru when it comes to um, what we call unique marketing strategies. So he actually hired the companies out in a certain you know red nation to release the virus just to push sales of his book. This he's is like, how
0: rumors start, Jr. This
1: is how he's gonna <laughs> started. So I bet if I could do this, my sales would go up.
2: It's funny, I thought you were going to say I started the California wildfires to turn the world orange, and either one of those options horrifying. Too. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was
0: just a gender reveal party.
2: I'm, uh, oh, that's what it was. Oh, that's right. I told, when, I told,
0: when I told my mom, she goes, nobody cares about baby's gender that much. <laughs> and i'm going mom you sound so mean
1: all right so i would say most uh th- most cyberpunk is kind of dystopian and grimdark so if i'm going to live in any of them i want plot armor
0: yeah <laughs> that so. seems very fair
1: so having said that well, we talked about the ones we don't want to live in so elias is there any you would not want to live in <laughs> hmm and start thinking about that one, Matt, because you're next, or Michael, if you prefer.
3: Oh man, like Dread and RoboCop, maybe because it's just hyper violent.
1: Oh, yeah, and Dread, right. it's just like the the justice, it's like, it's like almost lawful evil is the whole legal system, mm-hmm. like Dread. Right. So it's ah, oh, that that would trip me out because that whole right and wrong fallacy that we all would get trapped in, it would it would bad. I'm going with Dread. I get you. What about you, Matthew?
2: I don't know that I would want to live on a Mars where any corporation is controlling my oxygen levels that that's pretty that's pretty but grim you can't for me
1: three boobs, so i mean it's a trade off
2: yeah there's you know there's pluses and minuses but <laughs> <laughs> the the breathable air is something that i i do appreciate for the most part so i think that's that's a pretty good one
1: you're kind of addicted to breathing we can overcome that though with enough tech you need to see and there you,
2: and there you go and now you've started your your second anthology story so we're going to really have to start getting this going
0: yeah, my right. swim coach used to tell us breathing was overrated.
1: So okay, so we've talked He's about. Really infl- mean. I believe it. So now that we've talked about implantable tech. Uh,
0: wait, wait, no, 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 we. Oh wait, are, are you going to ask what I wanted to ask?
1: I don't know what you wanted to ask. I don't read your mind, babe.
0: Yes, you do. You read the chat window.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, you didn't have this one written yet. So if, uh, if ah! you could, if you could get the um, the implantable tech. And, you know, after it's been, you know, tried so you know you're not the first guinea pig, Would you do it? (laughs) Like, I'm thinking of one of the authors who I write, who I love, who writes uh, Mill Sci-Fi. They've got the basically an Apple phone, but they call it a tapper and it's uh, in their uh, in their arm. So they just, you know, their their phone is just pops up a, a hollow screen from their arm.
2: Oh, see, I did something similar for my world, which was a palm screen, which is actually the cover of my next book. And it's just the, um, you know, I I was sitting at the playground with my son and I was looking around at all of the parents sitting around the playground on their phones. And I just sort of imagined the the phone sinking away and people just having the fiber mesh of a screen in their hands instead. Just skip ahead. Um, you know, why even bother with the phone anymore? Just have it just sort of implanted. Yeah,
1: but but I mean, you've heard of butt dials. Could you imagine what you would get if you got a hand dial? And we're just going <laughs> to leave that one right there. That's going to get you in some our... compromising
3: situation. <laughs> we just
1: want to keep our family-friendly rating. So I'm going to crop dust over the top of no. that one and we're going to plow right through. <laughs> so what about you, Elias? Would you take the plunge? Well, I'm
3: thinking about like the, the biochips and I'm kind of thinking, heck no, because... Uh, wasn't it Twitch who just had their, like, the entire thing that is Twitch
1: oh, yeah. they linked onto hack-
3: the internet? And I feel like uh, cybersecurity is an illusion. Like, it's just a matter of time. Um, yeah. So I, I I don't know that I want a, a hackable server sitting in my brain. I
1: can that appreciate fair. that. That's fair. All right. So all right, Doc. Now you can ask the question that you want to Any
0: tech from all of this that you would want to take and use? It flying cars. It flying cars?
1: I mean, come on, man. Who doesn't want a flying car? I've wanted one since the Jetsons. I feel like I've been lied to my whole life. They promised me flying cars.
3: I I, I got to go with like the, the arm blades from the newer Deus Ex games, right? I mean, it's in that same category as lightsabers, where it's immediately self-hazardous. But <laughs> I'm going to have a lot of fun with those before I lose my legs.
1: That's fair. I mean, but what a way to go, right? <laughs>
3: Absolutely legendary.
0: <laughs> it, it would be. It would be a lot of fun. So, For like
3: five minutes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I would normally ask how you'd abuse it, but I think, you know, you already said that you'd probably end up hacking yourself up. Not intentionally, and I bet let's Matthew, be clear. Like the kid is going to just go, I'd skip carpool line forever.
2: Yeah. Right. Just land on top of somebody else's car, you know, kiddo, hop out.
0: Exactly
2: or so, just you know it's creative problem solving is really what it is
1: or just toss them out and maybe they get a parachute if they were good that morning well so. i mean if
2: it's the future hopefully they have like a jetpack or that flying skateboard i mean if we're talking about technology that i wanted as a kid which we weren't but now i'm going to talk oh, about right. the flying skateboard from back to the future oh God, i still yes. think i could i would instantly kill myself on it but i would love to try it me too it would be
0: worth trying it would totally be it would be
2: worth a broken arm
1: yeah so, uh, I'm, I'm with you.
0: I have this. I, it just occurred to me, and I'm going to ask, would it qualify Dune? Because you got the issues of transhumanism, you got this n- noir esque issue world. I, I think, or is that just really more firmly the space opera, space fantasy?
2: I think, yes. I think that if you were going to say something that sort of crosses that line a little bit more, it would be The Expanse um it it more bleeds into cyberpunk dune certainly has some cyberpunk elements but a lot of great cyber uh science fiction has cyberpunk questions or cyberpunk i mean you know you even look at coruscant it it has cyberpunk influences um i think the expanse there is an argument that could be made i think dune is i mean i love dune i'm so excited for the movie um but i don't know that i would qualify it as cyberpunk
3: Elias, yeah, what do you I think? I agree with on? Matt on that. I think it's definitely got some cyberpunk elements or I don't even know if it's fair to call it influences because it's a really old book as well, <laughs> but some <laughs> influences or elements of things that we call cyberpunk. But if you're talking about something that really bridges that genre, it's it's the expanse. It kind of lives in both that space world and that cyberpunk world in a really precarious way and Dune is probably just a little further down that spectrum toward kind of the space side of sci-fi.
2: And The Expanse has Elias Tufexis in it, which, you know, other than Keanu Reeves, I sort of think of him as being the, the one of the people on the Mount Rushmore of cyberpunk.
0: Well, that's fair.
1: All right, since you mentioned Mount Rushmore of cyberpunk, who would your top three be? Oh, I mean, man. I mean, since you brought it up, I'm gonna make you, I'm gonna put you on spot
3: sure yeah I mean can Keanu Reeves be be one and two
1: <laughs> okay I'll 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 get that he's a good actor um
3: no mostly for the Matrix uh number
2: three and Johnny hey, Manana just
0: oh yeah, yeah. Right. so it, it can just
3: see. be
2: <laughs> and Cyberpunk and 2077 um, <laughs> he's all over uh, that genre
3: see it's it's just all Keanu Reeves it's like uh, you know, you look under it instead of turtles all the way down, it's just Keanu Reeves, one on I top know. of the other.
0: It's not a bad view. Just saying.
1: <laughs> well, that's that's you know, we do try to make the ladies happy. So oh. all right. So we've talked a little bit about what the genre is, and now I'm like I do want to schedule with you, Matthew, and we'll get all your peeps on board maybe this uh in a couple months, so there's some some gap. Um, some more about cyberpunk because I think it's fascinating. But I want to definitely get it. So Nick is here, so you can actually like know that he's real, and then maybe pitch your your comic to him in person. Yeah, at
2: this point, I just assume he's a little like hand guy that you're just sort of. <laughs> he's like uh, you know, he's a like
1: magic like dragon. He, <laughs> That's like what it right. was. But uh, but so before I don't know he, if this
2: is the best pitch for me to use to try to get him in my good graces and do it, <laughs> and
1: work well, with. He was me. a ranger, so the more you mess with him, the happier he'll be. Like he'll he'll, he'll he thinks he it's
0: love. He's messed up.
1: Oh, perfect. Then he and I are going to be a match made in heaven. heaven. But so we've talked a little bit about what cyberpunk is, and I I do think it it warrants a more thorough uh, discussion. So we'll definitely put that one on the books. Um, But let's go back to the reason we're here before, before we bring this to a close is cyberpunk day. So if somebody is a fan of the genre, um, are there ways to get involved in this community? Wait,
0: wait, 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 before we get that, what would you recommend if you had to tell somebody one book to go pick up that's cyberpunk like as an intro to cyberpunk
1: besides theirs of course
0: (laughs) no they can even say theirs
3: this is a hard one because do you go for for something like more classic or or a modern iteration um if i'm going to try to introduce someone to the genre I, i might go with like altered carbon or the expanse okay Um, because it's it kind of bends some of the traditional bounds of the genre um Mm -hmm. and still has some kind of the classic questions or tropes however you want to look at that
0: and matthew
2: well this question is why i love you guys because um so i've been conducting a bunch of these interviews for cyberpunk day that are going to air on the day and guess what question i end with every single interview including with mike Pondsmith and with these other authors and creators i ask literally every single person that i've interviewed for cyberpunk day what is the property that you recommend so for anybody listening who wants a bunch of great recommendations for um cyberpunk you can listen all day long or watch on YouTube after, and you will get some great recommendations for cyberpunk properties. Awesome. Um, You know, I think obviously I'm gonna say my book is a great entry point because I took a more action adventure approach to cyberpunk. So it's super accessible. People have said that they've read it in a day or two. Um, But the opposite end of the spectrum, the complete opposite end, of course, I have to say is William Gibson. Um, Neuromancer, or maybe Burning Chrome, if you want to read some short stories that are maybe a little bit more accessible that introduce you to his world and his writing style. But, you know, if I'm going to recommend a cyberpunk book, I, I it, even though Do Androids Dream was the book that made me, it's got to be Neuromancer. I mean, it was the first book that won the 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 Philip K. Dick, the Hugo, and uh, one other award that was sort of the, the first book that ever won the big three.
0: Oh, wow. Probably it's, The Nebula.
2: That's what an, was, of course, it was
3: yeah. <laughs> not like an easy read, necessarily though. And well, and that's why I said yeah, it was the opposite of
2: mine. An, it is. It is yeah. a hard read. Yeah, it it's
3: worth it, but it is
2: not.
0: It's, it, it's worth it, but it's foundational. And, it's yes,
3: the uh, it's the Dark Souls of reading cyberpunk books. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfectly analogous.
0: Okay,
1: that's uh that's an encouragement. All right, so. Back to back to cyberpunk day, because Doc <laughs> likes to see if she can mess me up and make my TBI start twitching. It um, is.
0: You twitch so well.
1: Thank you, thank you dear. Uh, so we've talked about a little bit about what cyberpunk is, but if we've got people that, you know, because one of the cool things about fandom that Doc talks about all the time when she talks about her tiny little 12-person convention in, in Atlanta every year, uh, is that, that it builds community in that sense of... of togetherness for people that might not know anyone else who likes the weird nerd thing that they like. Right. And it sounds like that's what you're building with your cyberpunk day website, which is scrolling at the bottom of the screen, cyberpunkday.com people. Um, if somebody wanted to get involved in the community that you're building, how would they go about it? Because I'm hope I'm thinking since it's the second year, you're not going anywhere. So you want to expand and build to something, right? Something even bigger than it is. So, how yeah, do you so
2: we actually just, this week um, with another person who's been helping us a lot. Shout out to Rachel Ebeck, who hopefully you guys will have on another great uh, cyberpunk indie author. Um, we have set up a Twitter and Instagram and a Facebook. So these are all great ways to get involved. I mean, you're pretty much speaking to us directly. If, if you um, reach out on any of those mediums, or, you know, if we have a contact us on cyberpunk day.com. So if any creators out there want to be a part of the, what we're building the community, what we're going to try to do for 2022, which is going to be even bigger this year is slated to be awesome. And I, I think 2022 is going to blow this year out of the water. So if anybody's keen to, um, find us. We are now everywhere. So just come find us and engage with us. And we are happy to have you.
1: So you're answering from the perspective of other creatives. So, and that's great. That, that was going to be my next question, but I'm specifically asking for the fans that say, this sounds really neat. And I want to talk nerdy with, with people that like the cyberpunk thing. How great do music
0: video, by the way. What's that? Talk nerdy to me is a great music video.
1: Yes, it is. You made me watch that.
0: I did. It was
1: so, so good. So, how would uh, would a, if someone who says this sounds like it might be my thing? I want to get involved as a fan. How, how would they go about doing that? Oh, did we break? <laughs> <them>?
0: <laughs> no, like Some
3: silence them, here. That's a great suggestion. <laughs> um,
0: well, there's definitely no, you mean, have a Facebook group, right? Yeah. So right.
2: With, your, with all of these socials. It's the same way I think for a fan as for a creative. If you just want to. Start commenting on any of the posts as the things go up, as we put up the YouTube videos. Um, Of course, we will be streaming on Twitch in addition to through the website. So if you want to talk nerdy during Cyberpunk Day or after, you can find us. Basically, we're just going to be everywhere. If you search for Cyberpunk Day, you're going to find us and you can engage as, as a as just a fan or somebody who loves the genre but during the day since we'll be streaming everything through the website the website you know isn't going to be interactive that's a way to watch but if you want to to talk to the people who are involved you know go on twitch and you can hopefully chat us up and you know we'll be there to, to talk about why we love cyberpunk
0: so can I ask a strange question that just occurred to me because I'm adD um why 1010 why October 10th
3: uh, vaguely binary
0: Okay I was wondering if that might be a reason yeah.
2: When we created it, it was 10 2020 Okay,
1: okay fair. fair That's as good a reason as any to do it
2: It yeah. also just kind of worked out I think, you know, we had bounced so many ideas Last year of different days The day Blade Runner was released The day Neuromancer was released You know, all of these different crazy notions And I think we just sort of landed on October is a nice, like it's starting to get colder. It's starting to rain. It's starting to to feel cyberpunky. but we're not like, you know, we're not into the holidays trying to cheer people up. It's still just sort of like summer ending.
0: Yeah. I can see that.
2: Everybody's going back to school. Everybody's just kind of wet and miserable. October is perfect. Um, like mid October is sort of perfect.
0: I would think the fourth grader that I know uh, that I have would say he feels a slave to his computer at this point.
2: Perfectcyberpunkday.com. there it
1: is.
0: See, yeah. All that cyber homework.
1: Okay, that's a cheery thought. I'm glad I'm not at school anymore. So,
0: <laughs> clearly
1: this interview is winding down. we got about an hour and a half, and it's been fun, and I could keep going, but Doc has to sleep because, you know, she's got the day job thing going on, and we don't want her falling asleep in the lab and blowing it up because who knows what cyberpunk terror she would invent in the accident.
0: Ooh, um, or maybe, maybe... Oh. We do, uh,
1: or maybe we do. She could get superpowered. Wait, I don't know if that's a good thing for the rest of us. Maybe we do want her to sleep. So as this is winding down, before we wrap this up, was there anything else about Cyberpunk Day that we didn't ask that you want to tell us about?
2: No, I feel like we covered most of the grounds. Just, you know, as I said, um, getting involved, the more people who get involved, the more people spread the word about this the more able we're going to be to do it in the future. Like I said, this is this is a labor of love. So we're just doing it because we love Cyberpunk and we hope that people out there love Cyberpunk like we do, or if they don't yet, will after um, 1010. So just, you know, find us, engage with us, sign up for our mailing list and try to win some free stuff. I mean, who doesn't want free stuff? You get a free audiobook and some free games. That sounds pretty good. Um, so just,
3: you know, come find us. Elias, do you have any good things for the people? Yeah, I was just going to say, I, we've said cyberpunk like a thousand times and described what it is. But, you know, if, if you're like me, where I was a couple of years ago and and I liked this collection of things but didn't know what to call it and you keep hearing the word cyberpunk and you don't know whether you like it or not, just go to cyberpunkday.com on the day and watch some videos. You'll find out pretty quick whether it's something you're into or not. It's totally, you know, open access. You don't have to sign up, anything like that. We really wanted it to be... Um, Easy for people to, you know, kind of appreciate it and see what it's about. So head over there and check it out.
2: And to support some creators, actually, that's the one thing I should add. We we did get a bunch of volunteers. You know, it's all people who are just passionate. So um, if you see something on Cyberpunk Day, the video game looks cool, this person's thing looks great, you know, seek them out, buy their thing, support, support these indie creators. Because they've all donated their time for, like I said, just passion. So if, if you, you get excited about any of those things, just you know, go support your local indie. Like I said, we're, we're not, not our evil mega corporation over here. We're, we're the little scrappy, little scrappy guy. So you know, yeah. you know, all the love we can get.
1: And all I'm going to say is because this is cyberpunk, that whiskey ain't going to buy itself. All right. So throw a little coin their way
2: yeah I mean, you know if you have a drink and watch that 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 one shot at the end of the night, it's got a bunch of really great um tabletop youtubers and and streamers who are doing really cool content and they're all coming together i think for the first time a couple of them and then we've got some indie authors and Mr. Sids who hosts it. he actually created his own cyberpunk tabletop um world that you can also play in so like you know, grab that whiskey and just sit back and enjoy some, some cyberpunk tabletop at the end of the night. I, I, I think that sounds pretty good.
1: All right. So um, before we, before we re- let you go, can you remind people how they can find you guys over at cyberpunk in case they're listening and not watching it, scroll across the bottom of the screen.
3: Sure. Just head over to cyberpunkday.com. Um, Or you can find us on Twitter, you can find us on Instagram, on Facebook, any of those, uh, just search Cyberpunk Day. But again, the easiest way, cyberpunkday.com. From there, you can find links to everything you need, you can find the recommendations, uh, you know, all of the the live videos that are happening on the day of and anything that we're going to be doing going forward through the year. um, That's the best place to do it.
2: And all of the participants will be listed there as well. So if you did, you did um, catch something and you couldn't quite remember, you know, um, you'll be able to to find all of the various creators and their works are are linked on the site as well.
1: That's outstanding because I'll see things and forget, and then like I can never find it again.
0: That's why and you it, never wear socks.
1: And it will. That's why I wear sandals because I can never find my damn socks. That's right. <laughs> um, so, you know, that, that's a good thing that you, you remind people. And now this is the part of our regular closing session, dear listener, where I remind you that if you read a good book, listen to a good audiobook, watched a good indie movie, be sure to leave a review. Please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. They help the right readers find the right books. So do your part. Um, having said that, it's almost like part of our our mantra, our religion now is book review. That's our religion. That's right. We'll we'll create the new Jedi order of book reviews. Uh, Elias, can you... uh, Okay, maybe a little too much, Doc. I'm seeing you smack yourself in the forehead. All right. I'll work on it for next week. All right. But Elias, can you tell uh, listeners how they can find you? Sure.
3: Uh, My website's the easiest place. It's EliasJHurst.com. Um, so you can head over there. You can find links to all of my books. I've got some blog posts um, with, you know, playlists that pair with Europa. Um, A video trailer I I put together with some really cool music by a a wave artist who sadly passed away, but his name's of Dream. Um, So you can find a lot of cool content just related to my weird little world there and some of that cyberpunk. But as I touched on, if, if you're into meth addicts and roadkill, I've got something for you there, too.
1: Might have dated one of those before, but that's not about <laughs> me anymore.
0: All right, Matthew. You need you to work know? on your taste in women.
1: Yeah, probably. Uh, you know, I was in the infantry though, so in my defense, I was still in E3, and you know, private's gonna private. But uh, Matthew, can you tell listeners how they can find you?
2: Yeah, I'm uh, Thudo World, T H U T O World on all of the things. Um, I think I make this joke every time. I'm also on like even down to LinkedIn. I'm on I'm Thudo World. Just on everything, PSN, Xbox, you can find me um, if you want to find my stuff. Obviously, thudoworld.com is going to be the stuff where you find all, everything I'm doing the, the most easily. Um, most recently, somehow I snuck into an anthology that JR put together. So like, if you happen to be poking around his website, you, you might stumble upon my name there too. But thudoworld, whatever your preferred social is, I'm, there I am
1: outstanding and you can find us a dear listener on our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters tack and tack blades again that is anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades we're over on the Twitters at sf underscore fantasy underscore show sierra foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show you can email us at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com again that is blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com if you want to send your hate mail send it to seska at Glassers We have a Facebook group where all the. I'm shenanigans- not maybe one day we have a facebook group where all the shenanigans happen over there at facebook.com backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast again blasters and blades podcast over there on the face space you can support the show over at buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr handley buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr handley be sure to put in the comment section that it's for the podcast and you can also support the podcast over on anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades with a monthly reoccurring uh, subscription, much like a Patreon model. Be sure to uh, write in the comments if you use any of those that it is for the podcast, um, and I will make sure I keep Doc Saska and Nick Garber duly intoxicated. They will drink until their liver surrenders.
0: Never surrender.
1: All right, Doc. Can you uh, put the bottle down just long enough to bring us home?
0: This is a glass. Thank you very much.
1: I mean, it's basically your sippy cup the at this. Bottle point.
0: is right here. Oh. <laughs> Thank you for sending some of your precious time with us for the absentee overworked Nick Garber, the adult Jr. Handley. I'm Suska. This was the blasters and blaze podcast. We'll be back next time, but, um, where we indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, all things that go boom. And don't forget, we'll see you at cyberpunk day.
1: Outstanding.